Hi, I'm Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR intuitive and healer, and you're listening to The Heart of It Podcast, where we chat about what matters most in the world of HR, the people. And I'm pumped for this episode because I get to share with you two incredible young HR practitioners. Many of you who follow my winding path know that I teach part-time at the college, and I do so because I'm so passionate about the next generation. These two incredible individuals happen to be part of an organization called Generation HR, which are dedicated to the next generation of HR. I was connected to Aaliyah, who's one of these two young young practitioners, young professionals, um, through the Rebel HR podcast, which I was a guest on in an episode called Weird But Effective HR, where I talked about basically the woo-woo factor from HR, which if you didn't listen to the episode with Jeff Harry, make sure you go back and do that. And also highly encourage you to check out that episode uh, on the Rebel HR podcast because it was a lot of fun. But um, we were connected as a result of that. So that conversation inspired that connection. And when I met Aaliyah, I knew instantly that I wanted to share her and what her organization is doing with the world. You know, one of the things that I have discovered over the last three years of teaching at the college is that one of the ways that it is a win-win for us actively in the profession is to listen to this newest workforce generation of practitioners. The way that they view things, the way that they are taking in the world provide some really key insights for what the future of recruitment and retention are going to be. And uh, going through 2020 and 2021 and seeing the massive amount of demand for change in those practices, we need all the insights that we can get. Uh, So that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Before we get to that episode, I want to just share with you about a special a uh, series that we have launching this year in November. Most of you will know it from previously on the podcast if you've been with us since the beginning as a spinoff of The Grateful Showcase. This series is going to be called The Grateful Heart Showcase. And my hope and intention is to highlight and celebrate some amazing HR practitioners, people practitioners, so people who are doing HR related work, which is taking care of the people in the workplace. So um, the deadline for nominating, so that's how we're doing this, is not me picking, but nominating these amazing individuals is September 1st, which is quickly approaching. So learn more at theheartcenter.com, nominate someone who is changing the workplace, who is making the workplace better, someone that you know your organization will be able to function without. Let's be real, that's what it is, okay? Now, let's get to this episode. Let's do this. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. I'm so grateful that you're joining me today, and I'm really excited for this podcast episode because it's blending two of my worlds together that I am so excited about, and that is working with the next generation of human resources. Um, And so uh, I guess 
it's almost like I want to introduce you, but then I don't because I feel like I won't do it justice. But I also think it's like a pleasant surprise for you to really talk about it yourself. So maybe we'll start with Aaliyah. And Aaliyah, can you just kind of talk about how the two of us kind of connected and kind of ended up here? Uh, and then you can obviously share a little bit about yourself and uh, your background. Yes, so Sam and I got connected, well, kind of through LinkedIn, because another podcaster happens to know you as well, and Kaylee. So he connected us because I have a blog that talks about mental health in the workplace, and he knew that Sam talked about that a lot. So he connected us through LinkedIn, and then we had a meeting and found out that we have even more in common, specifically talking about all the different generations of human resources and how Sam also works with the next generation of human resource professionals. So that's how we got connected in the first place. But I go to the University of Northern Iowa and I'm studying human resources, obviously, as well as marketing. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I love that blend of majors. And what, can you just say how far along you are in school? So they have- Yes, yeah, so I just got done with my senior, or my junior year my junior year, and I'm going to be a senior this upcoming fall. And you're right, it is a good blend because um, both of them are about people. One is sometimes just marketing a company to people. I mean, they're both about that, really. Recruiting is about marketing the company, and so is marketing. So I really like the blend of them together, and I like learning more about people and the way they work. And, yeah, it goes really well together. Yeah. Awesome. So, Kaylee. Tell us a little bit about you Yeah, how you know Aaliyah. So make all those links together. Yeah, I will connect Aaliyah and I together because it goes back a little bit, I guess. So um, I go to the University of Northern Iowa as well, and I'm going to be a senior next year, just like Aaliyah. And I'm majoring in HR, and I'm getting my IO Industrial Organizational Psychology Certificate as well. And not marketing, I'm not really sure why, but it's a little late to add that on. Um, I kind of wish I had added it on, but I know Aaliyah because we lived across the hall from each other freshman year of college, and we weren't really friends just because I'm a really shy person, and I'm really bad at making new friends. So just until like last year, I was like, okay, Aaliyah, we can be besties. <laughs> And so that's kind of how that happened. And then um, we met each other at the UNI chapter, the UNI Society for Human Resource chapter. And we were in it freshman year. And then we both got on the exec board. And that's how we kind of collaborated and used that chapter to kind of broaden our horizons and learn and grow different ways. And um, yeah, that's pretty much the basics of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. So um, before we get into just talking about uh, how awesome you guys are, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about Generation HR, uh, because this blew me away. Like when I talked to Aaliyah, like I was, I mean, my gosh, I wish that I, you guys could be the prototype and you could build like a business and like make this exist in all schools because it needs to happen. So can one of you just tell me a little bit about that group and how it got started and what your real mission is there? 
Well, I can give a little summary, and then I know Aaliyah will fill in a lot of the gaps for me. It's kind of how our relationship works. Um, so basically, it started off by me getting an email for this opportunity for this competition. And the competition is um, between Iowa and Minnesota school campuses and student organizations. And you have the opportunity to find a problem in your community and work with an outside school organization to solve the problem and then you meet in within over the next couple months to like um see how your progress is going with other groups and by the end you um present to a panel of judges and then they of course every single group was amazing but then they award certain um monetary values to those who um could use it the most to continue their project and so it was actually Aaliyah's idea to do something about the recent LGBTQ Supreme Court ruling that was done in June of 2020, which was almost a year ago. That's crazy. Um, and so then we decided to do a podcast, also Aaliyah's idea, because of Kyle Rode, who we know from our area, and he's in the Sherm chapter in our community. And so we decided to use our outside resources and make our own type of thing. And then I'll let Aaliyah explain like the podcasts that helped us solve our issues in our community. Yeah. So our goal throughout the project was to raise awareness about the law and to make sure that everybody knew their rights, especially the students in college that are going into the workforce and might be new to some of the laws, especially those that are up and coming in the Supreme Court. So that's kind of why we chose to do a podcast because it was a good way to reach not only the college community, but also the professional community and give resources to HR professionals who listened um, to see what other companies might be doing to make sure that the law is not only implemented, but they're also promoting inclusion and equity within the company, you know, going above and beyond just what the law says. So that's kind of what the podcast was all about. And after we were recording some episodes, we were like, we need to keep doing this because it's such a good opportunity. And so now Generation HR has kind of formed into just something that the students, especially the students who are in HR and in the UNI Sherm chapter, to be able to get like real world experience and make the change that they wanna see before graduating college. And I think it's just such a good opportunity for networking and problem solving. And just, they always say, especially on the podcast that we record, like people are always saying, we don't learn how to deal with some of the issues that come about in HR in school. So this is how we're getting that experience now is because we're having those real conversations with what's really happening and the challenges that HR professionals face every day on the podcast rather than just reading it from a textbook. So that's really what Generation HR's mission has formed into is getting those opportunities for students to be able to get some experience and knowledge before they go out into the workforce and also to be able to make some changes that we want to see in the workforce before we leave college. Wow. You know, one of the things that I love about this entire thing is 
I think that people don't get enough time to figure out who they want to be as a practitioner before they get out into the world. Um, and I think that it's become almost a default to be like, there's not an expectation to figure that out until you get your first job in your chosen pathway. Um, but I think that, you know, the beauty of higher education is that it's a safe playground for you to do some really radical things before you have to get into a job where you're responsible for not getting sued or not getting fired. Um, and so I really love how you kind of took that upon yourself to do that. I mean, I'm always pushing my educational colleagues for us to step it up like that. And what can I do in the classroom? But this blew me away because you as students were taking it in your own hands to make it happen and materialize it. And that's phenomenal. Um, and that's what piqued my interest about interviewing you today because uh, my experience with students over the last uh, three, three, almost four years, I found that there are several different reasons why someone ends up as an HR major. Uh, there is those who are truly passionate about it, which are the ones that I'm there for. And then there's those who believe that we're like the default catch all bucket for being in business, but not able to do the other stuff in business. <laughs> and so they think that it's the easy route. Um, and I think some of that is to the point that because they're not getting the real life experience, they think that it's just like administrative filing, which it totally is not. And if you think that you should pick another career, cause you're gonna have a rude awakening when you get out into the real world. Um, so uh, I wanted to know, you know, so you guys are like heavily driven, making these things happen on top of going to school and doing all the other things that you're probably doing in your life. Uh, you know, why are you so passionate about, about HR? How did you lead yourself to HR? Because the old story is that HR, you don't pick it, it picks you. So did that happen in your scenario? Um, or did you just, did you dream of this as little, little ones that you're gonna grow up and be HR managers one day and VPs of diversity, equity and inclusion? Uh, you know, what does that pathway look like for each of you? Um, I will just, I first, before I answer that question, I just kind of want to back up because I feel like any students listening feel like what the project Aaliyah and I did with um, our SHRM chapter at UNI was just like way too big for someone to ever come up on their own. But the real skill that we learned was how important it is to just take initiative and like, if you don't like something, you actually can change it. Like you can find the right people, you can make the right podcast, you can know the, the right people or things to do. And that was the biggest skill that we learned, but the hardest challenge that came out of it was teaching others that they can also do the same thing. That was, an, that was one thing that we really learned throughout the entire thing and something that I wanna learn how to do um, just as a professional and a person. So yeah, I wanted to add that. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that because, you know, that's one of those things that as a professor, I could have said that and nobody would ever believe me unless a student actually says it. <laughs> so, Kay yeah, well, Kaylee, tell I can actually okay. answer the question now. Yes, Sorry. I was going to say, go ahead. Yeah. Tell us about how you how you got here with the uh, dreaming okay, well, of HR. Yeah, I remember sitting in high school. Um, I was a junior. And I was taking this professional readiness program that my high school offered, and it allowed you to work with businesses 
and do like a small project with them over the course of the class. And I remember like working with teams and thinking like, all right, what job title does all of these things? Teaches people how to, trains people how to do these things, picks the right people to be on the team. Um, and then how can I use my strengths and my weaknesses to like make that my career? And my teacher was like, well, it's human resources and it's like training and things like that. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's it then. That's what I'm going to pick. And then I was like, what, 16? And I'm an extremely like future focused planner. And so I was like, well, I already know that's what I want to do. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And then I got into SHRM and I was really scared and I was like, this I don't know if this is it. And then I started like meeting other HR professionals and I was like, okay, yeah, this is where I want to be because there's so many different avenues and so many different things you can get done and so many different types of people that work in HR. So I'm just passionate about it because I know that I can actually change something instead of just check tasks off my to-do list. That's my, that's why I love HR. So why were you afraid initially, like when you went into the networking groups or when you first started like immersing yourself in it? I was scared because I remember hearing the upperclassmen talk about like specific classes or employment laws or things that I had no idea about. And I was like, um, how do I even know I like this if I don't even know what any of that is? And then as I started actually learning them, I was like, okay, yeah, I knew I picked the right place to be. So yeah, I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Aaliyah? What's the your winding path to human resources? So in high school, all I knew was that I really liked helping people. And so I was just kind of went to that default, like helping people route which was healthcare and I was like one week into anatomy and I realized that was not for me I dropped that class I was like no way this is not the path for me so I actually instead um we had a career coach at my high school which is probably something similar to what Kaylee was talking about but basically it's someone that I met with about once a month from one of the community colleges and they just kind of guided you and gave you opportunities to try different careers out. Um, so I was really involved in high school and I really liked leadership and helping people, like I said, and I was also in FBLA. So I knew I loved the business world, which is Future Business Leaders of America. So I was loving that. And I was telling my parents this and my dad was like, you would be a great human resources person. And I had no idea what that even was, to be completely honest, until he said that. And so then I took that information to my career coach, and she set me up a job shadow with a hospital because I was still kind of interested in the healthcare. She's like, okay, you'll job shadow this human resources person at this hospital. And I loved it. I loved everything at the hospital that I job shadowed. It was very, um, they were more of a generalist kind of role. So I just loved being able to interact with all the different departments and just be able to do all the different things. It's so broad, which is what another reason that I love it is because I like training and I like, you know, finances and benefits and all of those things. So I felt like it really encompassed 
all of those different things into one career while also being able to interact with people every day and help people move forward in their career. So after that job shadow, I got an internship at that company and that was where my path was set. And I am still studying that at UNI and I've had a couple other internships along the way that have just reinforced that decision and especially being in the SHRM chapter has reinforced that decision a lot with the opportunities that I've gotten there. So, yeah. Wow, that's uh, awesome. You know, it's interesting to me because um, I think right after I met you, Aaliyah, I did a speaking engagement for 300 uh, high school students for a vocational school and they wanted uh, a presentation on recruitment strategies using social media. So we were talking about LinkedIn profiles, but also how to make sure none of your other, other profiles jeopardize your chances of getting employment, because let's be real, people look at everything nowadays, like that's just, that's a thing. Um, but, you know, as I started talking in the first session, it like took 15 minutes and they, in the chat, I saw it just numerous times, these students saying, what in the world is human resources? What is HR? Uh, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even understand. And I was like, are you for real? It made me so sad that I had to like take 10, 15 minutes of each session to educate on human resources. And I remember the director after I finished, I was finished speaking, he asked, is there anything like any feedback that you have for me? And I'm like, yeah, teach them who HR is because that's the person who's going to manage the recruitment process. They should probably know that before they start worrying about how to fill out their applications, like that relationship there. And I found it even more ironic because he did small groups at the end and they were all HR practitioners who came in to help lead these small groups. So I was like, they're obviously here. Like they need to talk about their jobs. Like, so I just find it fascinating when the both of you connected to the position in high school after I just talked to 300 who were kind of like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, people in college don't even know what human resources is. And I'm just like, have you had a job? <laughs> yes, you have had a job. Okay, then you know, like you have met someone in HR, you should remember. And also I feel like high schoolers and college students need to realize that like networking with <coughs> just choked for no reason <laughs> um networking with hr professionals is like the easiest way to get yourself a job if you are a perfect like a very like professional person and you go and network with all these people there's i would be like amazed if someone couldn't find a job if they were following all of those things but yeah once i got to college whenever i told people that i was in hr they were always like oh like that one guy on the office i was like i mean sure yeah <laughs> if that's all you got sure <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the one thing they can relate it to now that the office is popular <laughs> oh toby toby in hr he is now the uh example of what we all aspire to be at least the bar is really low for you to surpass and be stellar if toby <laughs> exactly <is> that's <laughs> what i love i'm like oh you think toby's an hr person okay i can go with that <laughs> No, I uh, <clears throat> I wholeheartedly agree with you, Kaylee. I mean, HR networking is the number one way if you're looking for a job. And on top of that, if you are in a somewhat small area, I would even say, I mean, like the HR network is tight and mighty and they talk to each other. So 
uh, if you think that they don't, they do. And uh, once you have places of employment listed, uh, there are conversations that happen back and forth that will be like, oh, I saw that uh, Aaliyah worked for you previously. What was that like? Or would you, well, they won't say anything specific, but they'll give the nod or the <laughs> no nod. <laughs> depending on so you know hr is your friend let's let's not create additional enemies and because you're don't know any better about what that office does in the corner exactly. so let's talk about uh, the next generation because one of the things that you both said it is the ability to manifest change for you to make a difference whether it's in someone's individual career or it could be the company you know, uh, last year opened up the doors, or I would say the floodgates uh, to reevaluating corporate culture on a wide scale. It's very uh, exciting. It's uh, massively overwhelming to those currently in the field, depending on where they were before those floodgates opened. Um, you know, whether we're gonna hit compensation and federal minimum wage, whether you're hitting the diversity equity and inclusion from all arenas, like, cause that, that is not just isolated to race, but disability, uh, you know, sexual orientation, sexual preference, all of those kinds of things, gender identity, like, you know, gender in, in general, uh, we have so much of that happening. Uh, and you see the power to, to change things. So I guess first, um, well, no, I guess it's a pretty direct question. You know, what things do you see that are a top priority for HR to be working on and manifesting change towards? And maybe, uh, depending on how much you want to call it out, where do you see that uh, maybe current practitioners are being too lax in their directives? Because I mean, I know I have seen it on a couple of them where I feel like you have the opportunity, let's let's move. Uh, and they're kind of like dragging their feet saying, maybe it will go away, maybe it will go away. Um, so when you're looking at all of this and, and being getting ready to enter into that arena in a year, what what do you have to say about the current status of practitioners and where they should be going? Uh, maybe things that frustrate you, you know, what 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 comes to mind in that entire bucket? One thing that um... I think of right away when it comes to students and Gen Zers is I do not want to see anyone's um, co-worker's daughter or son get hired um, instead of me just because they're related to someone who works there. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how frustrated that makes me because not getting a job somewhere um, that could really boost your career or give you great experience just because someone's kid needs a job is like, I can't, I would never, I'm not ever going to do that. <laughs> and it's really frustrating to me. And I really think that there should be more conversations about that when it comes to recruiting Gen Zers and interns um, and part-time workers. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but that was the first thing that came to my mind when it comes to our generation. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, oh, are you going to, you can continue. Well, I didn't want to be so negative the whole time. I really, I really like how a lot of companies are starting to care and start the conversations about DEI and having conversations about it is of course the first step. But after these conversations, a lot of great things are coming about, especially with like social media, adding pronouns to everything. That's really, really cool. 
And there's a lot of positive changes being made since our world pretty much like crashed and burned and now we have to rebuild it the way that we actually want it to be. And so there's a lot of positives happening, but that is like just one specific um, like detail towards my life. So I think it's really amazing how the profession of HR has evolved because I think we're getting more and more into, you know, trying to create, I don't want to say a culture, but that's the word that people resonate with the most is that we're trying to create a good experience for our employees on top of, you know, making sure we follow the laws and compensation and all of those things. So I think that we're going to see it also get a little bit more divided, which I'm seeing in some companies already where, you know, people have their specific jobs. But that's the part that excites me is just creating a good experience for employees, because I just think about how much of our lives we spend working and how that affects every single other part of our life. Because if you're not happy day to day going to work, it's going to affect you at home. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect everything. So that's what inspires me so much about HR and how I feel like I'm helping people by creating that experience for people. And I think that the biggest thing that as a Gen Zer I see is just putting people before profits and having that balance because that's another kind of hard thing in HR is, you know, we're working for the company. So we have to make sure that we are, you know, keeping the company afloat and making those tough decisions about staffing and whatever. But I think that we need to work harder to create a balance to make sure that we're also caring as much about our employees as we do about the company. And I think that what always comes into the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about how to exactly do that would be just the, um, I can't even, Kaylee, you might know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to think of the exact name of it. The corporate social responsibility, but I can't think of the psychologist who came up with the pyramid that models it models Maslow's hierarchy but it's about corporate social responsibility and how first you have to make profits otherwise you're not even a company but there's so much more that you can do to improve upon yourself and you know the the highest point is philanthropy so like just I think we should all strive towards that and always be improving and making sure we're having that balance. I know that when I did a speech for Disrupt HR about the top four things that Generation Z wants in a workplace, it was first salary. I mean, we have to get paid. So that is a big factor. And it's actually because of the recession of the, in the 2008 market crash is why they think that our generation values that. So it was salary, and then um, happiness. So relationships and what was the last one? Something that starts with an M because I modeled it after sure. But long story, long story short, um, the last one was all about people, planet, and profits and how that's what we are really putting at the forefront of our minds. And we can tell which companies care about that and we can tell which ones aren't really trying to improve it as much. So that's what I think Generation Z is going to be working on. Obviously, everything with diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
And, you know, just, I don't know, just people before profits is what I think is the thing that I want to see happen a little bit more and try to create more of a balance there, whether it's through policy or just creating a culture like I was talking about or what it will be. I know that I like to use a mix of those things. So, and then I would say to your question about um, what practitioners I see in the field right now who aren't quite meeting that bar, I think it's really tricky in HR because when you try to make change every single time, it's very like personalized. People attach you to what you're trying to do and it's your job. Like if some people don't like what you're trying to do, you have a chance of losing your job. But I think it's just really important that we focus on why we're doing it and have that vision and the mission of why we're trying to make this change and being able to communicate that to the people who are the leaders in the company to be able to help you and get on board with that change is where some people are missing the mark because they're, like you say, there's an art to it. There's an art to going about that and you have to do it the right way and talk to the right people. And you really have to know the people that you're talking to and how to get them on board with it. But I think just making, kind of trying to disconnect it a little bit from you personally and think more about the overarching mission and why you're doing it and why it's important to the company is where some of you could get a little bit more done, I think. But I am not an HR practitioner in a company yet. So it's I feel a little bit naive and bad speaking about it that way. But that's what I see from my perspective, being in college and talking to some HR practitioners that are in the field right now. You know, one of the things that, um, to your point, Aaliyah, when you talked about, you know, the uh, employee experience and really emphasizing it, uh, I just saw a couple of posts today on LinkedIn where people are saying that they want to push for the four-day work week, which I support for other reasons. However, the response or reasoning that they were giving for pushing for it was to basically take pressure off the organization to be all the things to these people because when you're working so much it is where you go to like a lot of people find their spouses there a lot of people find their friends there because you're there all the time unless you work in hr and you're not allowed to date the people that you work with or be friends with the people that you work with um but uh, you know, it was just fascinating to me to see that the natural response is let's find new ways to establish physical boundaries because that's what we had in 2020 when we were in lockdown. People experienced that there was a physical boundary and it helped it helped them focus on their personal life uh, rather getting lost in their professional life. So I think to your point, you know, HR has to make a, a decision right now. Do we want to help establish those physical boundaries? Or do we want people to love their work and show up at their best rather than trying to restrict how much they show up uh, by focusing on that employee experience? And to your point, Kaylee, I, I wish that people would talk about that so much more. I will tell you the most complex organizational development issues that I handle 
are a result of a friend or family one that was brought into the workplace. It just makes everything so much more complicated. Like you think it's hard to tell somebody that you don't know that they are not performing or that they are not a good fit. Try when it's your niece or your nephew or your neighbor's son or however that connection is. It just convolutes it and it draws it out and then it starts to negatively impact the entire culture. Um, so from a Kaylee says it from a, it's not fair. It's not fair to your entire organization. You know, it's one thing if they apply and they're the best suited person for the position and they get the job. But if you're letting them bypass that process or being biased in the hiring process, it could be a real massive mistake later on in the future. And those jobs get, those jobs that everyone wants get given to by those who are already in you know, so like if my dad gave me a job at an, a, really, a really amazing company or like an HR consulting company that I really, really wanted to work for and I may not have deserved it as much as I really wanted it, that, would, that opportunity was now given to me where I might not perform or execute things as well for a company when someone else could have easily done an outstanding job, but they were never given that opportunity. And that's where I get really frustrated because there's it just hurts my heart how many people job search and have to settle for something that you know that they could um, have a way better opportunity. So yeah, that was my point. And I think that connects so much to what we were just talking about is that work and life separation um, it gets just even messier when we're adding like our friends and our family into that. And then just, there's so much that can happen. I mean, even with when you have friends at work and then you have to leave that workplace for whatever reason, if you're moving and then it's like your whole life is turned upside down because work was your life, all of your friends. And maybe in some cases, your family members were at your job and, I know that this is a different outlook now, but I feel like especially our generation knows that a job isn't permanent, especially if, you know, you have to move for some reason or you just want a better opportunity. We're always looking for, you know, to grow in ourselves and the average of staying in a job is not as long as it used to be. So I think that that's where we need to make a change as HR since that is the case, since we're not staying at jobs our entire lives anymore our entire lives should not revolve around our jobs. So yeah, that's kind of where I think that change comes about. And another thing that I was going to say, hold on, just a minute, I need to think of it. Oh, another thing that I was going to say is to Kaylee's point about talking about people getting hired um, because of who you know, I don't wanna confuse that with what we said earlier about how important networking is. Cause that's a completely different thing. There's, you know, people that you've known your whole life, whether it's your family and your friends and people that will just, you know, try to get them a job to do something nice for them. But if you're networking with yourself and networking with other professionals, that's really just putting yourself out there and almost marketing your talents that are already there. It's not them doing you a favor and getting you a job that you're not qualified for. It's showing them that you're qualified so that they then already know that and can be trusted in their decision to, you know, interview you and go through that process with you. Yes. I also, um, 
I was talking to someone about this on uh, my other podcast. It's about um, how we need to kind of revamp or change our retention thoughts and feelings because obviously the average time someone spends at a job is like three to five years, right? Mm -hmm. And especially with Generation Z being people who need to continuously improve or go different directions to continue learning. And with uh, taking initiative being such a popular thing um, for our generation and a really important thing, um, I think it's important to expect an employee to only stay the average amount of years, you know, like you can't really get upset when someone leaves because that's the average amount of time someone would want to stay somewhere. And so maybe understanding that a little bit sooner and preparing them to be able to be promoted a little bit earlier. So like, I'm totally paraphrasing from someone I was just talking to his name. He has a, a podcast called HR needs to speak with you. A little shout out. He's awesome. But he was telling me that um, people uh, will that normally take like, let's say eight years to become a manager in their company. It should really maybe they could come up with a way to make it be so like it will only take five years to for you to be able to um, take on that role. That way you're meeting your employee in the middle and you're letting them know that, that you want them to stay and you want them to have more responsibility and you trust them with their work. And so I think for our generation and within the next couple of years that the retention process needs to be changed a little bit in order to meet the needs of people because they're leaving no matter what. So you might as well help them grow in their career them yourself. So yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about how I think of HR as helping people. When I hire someone, whenever that comes to be my job in the future, I want them to grow in their career. Like if I'm hiring them for a position, I am going to like lay out a five-year plan with them of here's where you're going to go. And after that, you know, you are either going to move up in this company or maybe you'll have other opportunities down the road. And that's like my goal. That's what would fill my cup and make me happy. And then in turn, we get um, other people into the company and a fresh perspective and fresh new skills that we can also train to more skills that our company needs. So that's what I think is really cool about talent acquisition and really growing your employees. And that's what we can do in our companies. So I love that about HR. Yeah. And I love that perspective because um, I think that's 100% the way that we need to go. And to be frank and brutally honest, we wouldn't be in this scenario if we had focused on succession planning and learning and development and growth plans for our people a while ago. You know, your generation is just reflecting it coming to a head and reacting. Uh, and to be honest, if we don't allow them to move on or be able to help them grow internally, they're going to start to disengage. So that's when we do see that tipping point. Um, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I literally just talked to somebody yesterday and said, I would still be at my last job if I had gotten promoted. They told me due to my age, I was not ready and I would have to hang out for another two to three years. And I left and started my business and now I'm responsible for my own growth and uh, I have never looked back. But it, it's crazy for me to think back and, and know 
that if I had been considered for that promotion, because that was kind of that dream job for me that I wanted, that I would still have been there. Like all of what happened in the last six years would not be uh, relevant because it wouldn't have occurred, but speaks to what you guys are saying exactly. And I'm and I'm an old millennial, so it's it started a while ago. So let's, you know, we're talking about Generation Z. I, you know, the one last piece I wanted to talk about with each of you, uh, it, it's no secret that uh, HR right now is obsessed with Gen Z and how to recruit you, how to understand you. We have leaders who believe they have uh, no skill sets available to manage you or that it's just you're wrong and they're right. So it's this whole big new wave of stuff that we're anticipating happening. I'm excited about it because I think you guys are bringing fresh perspectives into the work environment that we've needed for a long time. Um, but what would you say uh, to the listeners, so my experienced practitioners and also, you know, past students and active students who are in Gen Z with you and are going to come up against these hurdles, you know, what is the greatest misunderstanding of Generation Z as the new workforce going out there seeking jobs uh, and kind of like demystify it a little bit to help the other generations understand what your true intentions are? <laughs> Um, I'll go first. Um, I think that um, something that other generations need to kind of understand about Generation Z is that social media and the internet has given us a platform to become um, educated on your generation, you know? So like music, for example, like I listen to music from like a variety of decades and a variety of eras. And I'm really familiar with that. Whereas um, like Gen Xers don't really listen to music that would come out now that I would enjoy listening to. So I think it's important for people to like realize that just because we didn't live it doesn't mean that we haven't heard other people living it talk about it and that we don't understand it or that we have we talk to people all over the country or the world and we hear their perspective and we're not closed in a bubble and we see other ideas. And just because it seems way different and weird to you doesn't mean that it won't work for us. And quite frankly, I feel like um, a lot of Gen Z just really kinds of kind, a lot of Gen Z just really needs to grow up a little bit more for us to kind of have like a real structure to who we are and how we act a little bit more. But if you're trying to recruit a Gen Zer, I would try to kind of meet them in the middle more with professionalism, especially because of COVID. We haven't really had the opportunity to like be super professional or meet people with a nice suit on, you know? And so it's not really in our like everyday lives to act like that and be like that. So maybe like interviewing someone at a coffee shop and just sitting down and getting to know them. And once you know them and you think they're a great fit, see if their skills align with the position that you need to fill. It's not so much just unstructured interviews that we need to focus on. It's doing the unstructured, getting to know them, and then seeing if their skills align with what you need. And also just trusting them. My boss trusts me so much. It's amazing. And I don't, I don't think most boss trust, I don't think most bosses trust their interns as much as mine, but I get so much more done and I do random projects that help the company because she just trusts me to figure it out on my own. And she knows that if it I'm thinking of it, then I can make it happen. 
And so trust is another big thing, which I don't think that a lot of other generations have in our generation. I feel like the most common misconception that I see the most frequently is with us being older Gen Zs is that people often kind of think that we're millennials and I see such a huge cutoff there. There is a reason that the generations have the years that they're born in and the ages from this to this, because that's when things happen during our formative years that make us the characteristics of our generation exist. So I think it's really important, first of all, to know who you're dealing with and whether they are a millennial or a Gen Zer. Because my sister is a millennial. We were raised by the same parents, but I tell you what, when I look at the characteristics compared to each other, she's totally a millennial and I totally identify more with the Gen Z. And again, going off of that is that not every person is the same. I mean, even though I'm in Gen Z, my values and characteristics are a lot different than Kaylee's, but there are a lot of similarities there that if you do research, you'll probably be able to see it. And I think it's really, really important. I cannot stress that enough. Really important to separate the millennials and the Gen Zers and understand why they're different. So that's the first thing. But then I think the second thing would be that people think that we're entitled and I wanna tell a story of how I realized this all came together because I never understood why people thought that because we don't think of this that way. So just I'll tell the story and then it will make sense. So we have a professional readiness program at the University of Northern Iowa. And one of the sessions that we had was with an HR professional and she was actually teaching us about the different generations. And what she taught, why she was teaching us that is because for interviews, she wanted us to know what the different generations valued so that we'd be able to play to those characteristics. Like let's say the baby boomers really value hard work So in my interview, I would make sure that I mentioned that I grew up on a farm and I worked really hard in order to kind of appease the baby boomer that was interviewing me. So that's kind of why we had that session. But it was really interesting because she was also teaching us the things that people are going to probably misunderstand about our generation. And one of them was that we were being entitled. And she was explaining this story about how she hired an intern And it was their first day. They were super excited. They got all set up. And then everybody was going to the boardroom for a meeting. So that intern was like, okay, everybody's going to the meeting. I'll go to the meeting. And then everyone in that meeting room had the impression that they were entitled because they were just the intern. They didn't need to be in that meeting. But the intern was like, I was, I thought this is my job. I want to be involved. I'm really excited about this opportunity. I want to learn as much as I can. So that's where I feel like the entitlement kind of gets misconstrued by some of the different generations because I would have done the same thing. If everyone was going to the boardroom, I would have been like, yes, I can help. Like whatever I can do, I want to, I want to know what's happening in the company so that I can do my job. But others are like, it's your first day and you're the intern. What makes you think that you can be in this important meeting? So I just thought that was a good story that put a lot of things in perspective for me, not only with my generation, but also other generations. So I think that what we all need to remember is if someone does something that just doesn't sit right with you, you can tell, 
I just wish we asked those people why more. Because if the people asked that intern why they went in the boardroom, they wouldn't be like, oh, well, I just thought since I'm, you know, in the company that I got to be in this meeting or whatever, they would have just said, I thought, you know, I want to help and I want to be here and I want to do the work like everyone else is doing. So I think that asking why is really important when it comes to some of those characteristic mix-ups or whatever you want to call them, because everybody has their own perspective. And that's really where things get confusing and where people hold resentment is when we don't understand each other's perspectives because we don't ask. Yeah. Well, I would even make the argument that that story is reiterating your piece on the employee experience even more like what have you done to those poor people that are in the boardroom that they got to attack the poor little intern like i that's where i go with it but i also uh wholly appreciate what you're sharing and being a old millennial uh we still have we started with the entitlement label so i've had that for most of my career as well and I really can appreciate what you're sharing about making sure they recognize that we have two generations because for whatever reason, they do want to mix us. I've even made the argument that due to technology, there's probably a chance that there's a third generation between the two of us because of how rapidly technology changed. I mean, there's stuff that you do that I uh, feel really old when it comes to it. Let's just be real. Um, and, you know, the internet came out like when I was I mean, that was during my formative years when the internet really started to like take off, not when it first came out, but when it started to take off. So um, I think it is really important to understand who's in there, but then also understand the person. And I love, I mean, my gosh, Kaylee, like, you know, something so simple as getting to know me first. Like we talk about in HR, these pre-screens, which are, do you hit and check all the buckets of the minimum pay that I'm going to give, the hours that you want to work. And here you are saying, can you just see if I even fit as a person before you even start talking about my classifications? Like clearly there's a chance you want to talk to me because you saw my application. So let's talk and see if it even makes sense. Like if I even fit with what matches before we dive into all the formalities. And I think, you know, forget COVID, like that's just a good practice overall. And I also love that you're speaking to the fact that you're saying like as a generation, we don't operate in a bubble. Like when we state things, we have a logical pathway. We've done our research. We've done it through our lens. So yes, let's have a conversation, but don't talk to me like my perspectives and insights are unfounded because if anything, I have found the younger generations, when they're passionate, they do more research than necessary. Like they surpass me and I think that I research a lot. Um, and so when you make an assumption that they just are like, I don't know, like pulling something out of thin air, which number one, I'm like, that's massively impressive if you can just pull something out of thin air. But I think that's why the, the, uh, the ideas sometimes seem so out there because you have been so focused on it and processing it through this new lens and to me, I would tell everyone, if they say something that you think is outlandish, ask them how they got there so that we can actually make it happen. Because a lot of what you're saying is what the future generation of workforces is asking for. So beyond Gen Z, they are helping prep us so that we can have employees. If not, I'm telling you, we won't have employees. Um, we'll basically become HR managers that 
manage 1099 contracts. Like, let's just, and everyone will have their little mini, like, and I don't think that will happen. And I think that's a large portion because of your generation. Like, I truly believe that as a practitioner. Um, and I'm consider it a privilege to be able to talk to the two of you just as much as I consider a privilege to work with any of my past students and students who are listening to this podcast. So um, definitely not fangirling only on them. <laughs> um, and I wanted to add, you were talking about how, you know, sometimes our generation does a lot of research because we have those technology tools and we're really good at searching things on the internet and social media and finding out more about what we're passionate about. And I think that that brings so much value to having the diversity of ages and generations in a company because I can match my research with those who have experience in the field and then just marry those two things together and find out you know, what's working from this research and what's working from your experience and come up with the best problem solving or decision that there is. And that's why it's so important to make sure that generations in an organization are working together and understanding each other and respecting each other because it's so important to have the diversity of perspectives whenever we're doing the work for the organization. Yeah, awesome. Well, I wanna thank the two of you for taking time today to talk with me and share your insights and just about what you're doing. Uh, once again, I will say it over and over, I'm blown away by the stuff that you've been doing in Iowa. I hope that I see more student chapters doing those things. You guys are obviously going to be movers and shakers in our industry. And I have no doubt that uh, in the near future, I probably will see you speaking at probably one of our big time professional uh, events, sharing best practices, because you clearly are both on fire uh, and cannot wait to start doing the work out in the real world when you guys are doing it full time and flourishing. So before we end, do you have any uh, last things that you want to share? I would like to say that if anyone's listening, student, baby boomer, anyone, <laughs> I just feel like if you have an idea, you can always just find the right people to help you get it done. And I would hope that if it was like a student project or something that revolves around HR that like we would be able to do something with you. I would love to like collaborate with people that I've never met before because like we said, more perspectives equals a greater outcome. And so I just, I want to open our collaboration up to anyone listening, because that's something that I really like to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And if anyone who's listening, who's a student is interested in Generation HR or possibly interested in putting something together along those lines into their schools or their universities, definitely reach out to us. We'll tell you what we've done so far and hopefully we can make that happen in other schools so we can create change around the world. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is share this with someone that you know it will serve and inspire and resonate with. Share that link in a text, send it via email, you know, post it on your social media, share, share, share. And then if you don't want to share, Leaving us a review on your favorite listening platforms is the other way to support our work. So support the podcast by doing one of those two things, share, review, and we're so 
grateful. Before we officially close this episode down, I want to talk a little bit about executive HR coaching. So this is um, a service line that we started offering, and I think that it it demands to have a little bit of a spotlight and to talk about it, especially in reference to this episode topic that we just went through. You know, when we're talking about the HR function, it is responsible for the entire employee cycle, which means from hire to fire and hopefully not firing, hopefully focusing on retention, recruitment to retention is what I like to say. But the thing about HR for it to be successful is it truly has to be the right fit for the organization. There is so much uh, personality or uniqueness or customization that is needed for HR to thrive in an environment. The way that that function actually is utilized needs to be 100% aligned with the organization, their mission, their vision, their values, and how they basically are a living, breathing entity in their culture. Uh, And so to do that, you have to give space for the HR practitioner at whatever level that you have there to um, craft this customization. Now, this is what makes this position so unique. Yes, there's recommendations and best practices, but without the right practitioner or the practitioner having the space to function and operate the way that's best for the organization, this this piece of the business will continue to be underutilized. And you'll see that suffering in lack of retention. Struggles with recruitment are the big dominant factors that we're seeing right now. So The HR coaching program is meant to work with you for us to deep dive. I actually work one-on-one with the organization. I do on-site visits. I work with your HR practitioner in partnership with senior leadership, and I help figure out how do we create the best fit of an HR department for your organization to take care of your people, because that's at the core of what I do. So learn more at theheartcenter.com or email me at Sam, that's with two M's, S-A-M-M, at heartcenter.com. All right, that's it for us, and I'll talk to you next week. 